everyone. I'm Tish Conlon. Here's another episode of Tish Talk. Today we have uh, someone I call a friend. He's also an artist. Um, he's very um, involved in uh, helping our country and our freedom. He's also taken a deep dive on the financial side. He's a former bond trade, uh, bond floor, bond floor trader, and really knows the financial piece of what's happening. Um, so David Ward is with us again. Welcome, David. How are you today? I'm great, Tish. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, great to see you. Now, if I encourage uh, the audience, if you haven't listened to our other podcasts to do so, David has some really compelling um, evidence and ideas uh, about what's happening right now. And in this podcast, we're actually going to have a little bit of a debate at the end for fun um, on Nasera Gisera as well. We have different points of view and different opinions, but he's the expert. I am not. So um, I just wanted to say that. So last time we spoke, David came up with uh, 10, I think, brilliant suggestions, um, all economic reforms for the, to counter the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. And I'm just going to read them out. We might touch on them. And then we're going to go back to where we left off last time and talk about the chaos that's uh, and the havoc being wreaked by these ever-increasing interest rates. That's where we left off last time. Um, so these 10 suggestions, these are David's own, is number one, to move to 100% uh, reserve, full reserve banking. Um, and we don't, we have a, a 0% uh, reserve right now, don't we, David? Uh, like yeah, literally. Zero percent reserve system. That's technically what it's called. All kinds of material on the Bank of Canada about that. If anyone wants to read about it, yes. Okay, and we might just go into that. People might have questions, but public banking. Now we've talked about how people get uh, nervous about public or central. Those words now with all the corruption. But if you have an ethical bank, like they now have in Alberta, a public bank. Um, then you can actually have a closed loop system where your the money stays in the country, doesn't get funneled offshore for who knows what sort of nefarious activities, and you can do real good. Um, so that's number two. Number three is to end the Canada Infrastructure Bank. These uh, public-private partnerships are, again, again, another way, and you've educated me, David, on funneling money out of the country um, so you lose your prosperity. Number four was greater use of monetary financing and Canadian pension plan money for infrastructure projects. Um, interesting point. I spoke with someone in the crypto field, and I know you're an, you're not a crypto fan. You're an, I wouldn't didn't want to say anti, but opposed to crypto. But he said that our teachers' uh, pension fund went, uh, and who knows why they they didn't understand that um, went to FTX. Like uh -huh. so, just. Totally blue. And he said about, I mean, about $100 million. Now, who's going to pay for that? Is that going to be the taxpayers fill in? Or is that gone forever? So again, you know, using public money for nefarious means and speculative uh, projects is, is just ludicrousy. Um, number five, which I think is also very strong, is end single family home REITs, uh, especially those run by a large foreign private equity funds. Uh, number six was some form of currency control is required uh, to prevent our sovereign Canadian dollars from leaving the country. 
which is also excellent. Number seven, eliminate or strictly limit foreign investment speculative buying of real estate. Um, you also put in there, we really need to preserve cash. Uh, number eight, less red tape for small businesses, contractors, stricter regulations for large multinational firms. Um, and then you also mentioned some sort of immigration reform, uh, prevent distortion of electoral uh, process, um, and you know, uh, build, you know, bring build up our population, at, uh, you know, skills based uh, for a thriving economy. And then most important was resist all forms of digital ID. So we'll dive into all that. I think it's uh, excellent, or just a great synopsis, David. So let's go back to our uh, how we ended up last time when that was a few months ago and you were already concerned rightly so about the rising interest rates and where look where are they now today in Canada and what's happening well the reason I brought that up at the time is we were right at the top of of the limits that we could go to in the zero percent reserve system and it was a question of did they take it there and just a little touch beyond that point just to scare us because the central bank is often a lot of what they do is talk. Threats of doing this, that, and the other thing usually has an effect in the marketplace. Um, and they've there's been a lot of talk in the past. So it looked like they had to go beyond that one percent mark by half a by half a point by half an uh, half an interest rate point, uh, fifty basis points, um, to make a real statement. But they didn't stop there. And how many? increases have there been there has been one was it uh, November 5th or 7th um they've just kept going and that is going to have consequences so with the real estate market primarily when a lot of mortgages come due and have to be renegotiated that's you know the delay the, the impact of these things are often pushed down the road into the future, but you sort of within a year, we're gonna really start to feel. So I actually said, I used the word chaos, going over 1% was gonna cause chaos. And we don't really see chaos per se right now, but that's because we haven't started, people haven't really started to feel that pinch with their with their mortgages. And, and yeah. there are a lot of people that are gonna have be in untenable positions at that point. Absolutely. I read somewhere, and even I've talked to people who say their mortgage, when they had to renew already, their payments have gone up over a thousand dollars a month. And some people are already saying they don't they don't know how they're going to afford it. And they might have to get a second job. So do you mm -hmm. predict that next year, 2023, we're going to see record, or maybe not record, but it could be record foreclosures of homes? Um, I, I, I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee it. In fact, I mean, just looking recently this past week, CIBC has been um, increasing their loan loss provisions and they've gone from, they have, CIBC alone has $520 billion of outstanding loans. So Mr. Polyev and a lot of people are saying how much money the Bank of Canada has created. Um, I just actually have my screen here, have the latest assets and liability from the Bank of Canada, and it's um, $359 billion. That's the country. CIBC has $520 billion of debt outstanding. That if it goes bad, I mean, they alone are larger than the nation in terms of debt liability. One bank. CIBC. And it's What's the best bank? 
I mean, is there any good banks or are, are the uh, credit well, unions slightly better? Anyone that's not affiliated with the World Economic Forum at this point, and I can't be 100% sure. I've asked a couple of people at the bank and yes. they don't seem to know anything about it, which doesn't surprise me. Right. Uh, I need to go to the head office, really. But uh, the National Bank is the only one that's not affiliated to my oh, knowledge. Really? That's a good tip. Yeah. And what about the credit unions? Are they also debt loaded or less so? One is, and I forget which one that is. Sorry. Oh. Um, <laughs> because they only function within provinces. They're only allowed to function within the, 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 the World Economic Forum is interested in multinational type companies that, you know, have an influence in business outside of national borders. That's not the case with credit unions. So they're not, so it makes sense that credit unions wouldn't be a part of that. Right. And so would you suggest, and again, nothing you say is, is advice. We always put the caveat or, um, but do you think it might be safer to have your money than in a credit union? Um, probably because, well, again, possibly, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, they do have the correct, the CDIC insurance. Um, they have their own version of that, but your, your deposits will be, will be, you know, uh, safeguarded there. Um, they're not wheeling and dealing in derivatives and that's the thing that really is a, is going to be a problem for the banks um if they if they get into trouble so just to continue with the cibc for a moment they are making a big deal about setting aside 436 million dollars as a slush fund protection in case their mortgages go bad um that's less than 0.08 of a percent Wow. Of yeah. those outstanding loans are covered. Um, so if it went to two or three percent failure in these mortgages, there's they're underwater already. Same with the Bank of Montreal, slightly different numbers. Same with the other big banks. Um, I also watch what's going on at the office um, from the controller of the currency in the United States, and they keep and this is the worrying thing, as I say, the derivatives. Um, their latest report, um, so in 2007, there were $737 billion of derivatives in U.S. banks. Um, it's a similar number here, or it's a similar game they're playing. The number will be smaller, but they're, they're all doing the same stuff. They were supposed to have learned their lessons. That was, that was one of the things that caused the big problem in the U.S. back in the 2007-2008 financial crisis. Subprime mortgages were basically just derivatives. It was just a derivative yeah. game wrapped up, wasn't yeah. it? Exactly. Um, so it usually takes something like that to trigger this cascade of, of debt that all is built one thing on top of the other. So back then, as I mentioned, $737 billion outstanding. That number, they didn't learn their lessons. I said before, they're more highly leveraged than ever before. That number now stands at $4.197 trillion. Oh, wow. And, and, and you don't, I don't like you believe... I can't do the math in my head, but that's like, you know, five, six times bigger a problem potentially than back in 2007. Could I ask for your opinion? Now, this is speculation, but I mean, you think like, why don't like one of these bankers learn? And then when you start taking a look at history and some of the things that are going on and the, you know, the corruption, et cetera, it seems like it's not an accident. It's deliberate because what's happening during all of this is that assets are being transferred 
each time we go through this cycle from poor middle class and well off to the super well off um, to all these, uh, you know, smaller and smaller group of funds. And and then, oh, sorry, we screwed up again. And then the bailouts um, of, and that's taxpayer money. Uh, so do, do you foresee that there would be something like a bail in where we would lose our even our savings in the account? Like, you know, didn't they do that in Greece? I mean, some people have said they're quite concerned about that, that Cyprus in Cyprus. Cyprus. Can you make a comment Mark on that? Carney, by the way, who engineered that? Who? Mark Carney. Oh, great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Bill C-51. I mean, nobody's been talking about that for a long time. A fascinating story. Uh, that all happened shortly after the 2007-2008 financial crisis. Uh, but, it, but it was really the public backlash because of the film The Big Short. Um, because people don't really understand what's going on. Even when it's on the news, they're just like, you know, blah, 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 financial lingo that nobody really understands the meaning. So you need a film that's done in an entertaining way to, and it's a brilliant film. You should, like, everybody should see that film. Oh, really? I'll, yeah, I, I, I don't remember. So, I'll so, check it. so the moral of the story was um, the bankers were gambling with our money when they make profits, they get to keep all the profits. When they get into trouble, the taxpayer has to bail out the banks. That's it's a great not fair. game. No, it's a great game for them. There's no downside. It's a terrible game for us. Yeah, it's in, it's it's incredible. Um, so so yeah, big controversy. Oh my God, the taxpayers are on the hook. So they came back and they said, Yeah, we agree. That's not fair taxpayers should not have to cover these losses. Um, so in future, we'll go after creditors. So, okay, well, it's like people have put their money in, knew the risk they were taking on, that sounds fair. Creditors of banks are the people that have deposits there because that's, so you, you are a creditor of a bank if you have a deposit at a bank. So they're going after the creditors. They're going to take your savings directly from uh, your bank account. Do you now, see that as a realistic outcome? Because it does seem like- It a is the scenario we're looking at with a yeah. total implosion and looking at those derivative losses that they, they can never be paid back. That, mm -hmm. There's more money in synthetic derivatives, you know, than there is in, in the whole world. Um, but someone's gonna be holding the bag at the end of the game and they're gonna try and cover, they're gonna try and cover these losses. Um, the taxpayer, again, is going to be on the hook and the depositors of, of banks. Uh, and even that might not be enough. If you look at these numbers, 4.3 trillion or something. It's just So it's this CDIC or whatever, this... Uh, Canadian Device Insurance, what's the last C stand for? Corporation. Corporation that will not cover, like you know, some people say, well, it'll cover to a hundred thousand, and then as long as I spread out my bank accounts and I have a hundred in each, I'll be good. No, that'll be forfeited. No, and and you know, because they've also said that they could take up to a hundred, like anyone who has more than a hundred thousand, they can start taking cash from your account. So it seems safe. It's like, well, I don't have a hundred thousand cash in the bank, so it doesn't apply to me. But those are arbitrary numbers. 
they can just move that number down. Well, we didn't pull in enough cash. So now it's if you've got more than 50,000, if you got more than 20,000, if it, they can do anything and they will. <laughs> yes, so, as, we, as we know, there's no limit. Uh, yeah. There's no protection, there's no limit. So do is there a solution uh, for for the individuals trying to navigate through this you know, extreme chaos? Some people say, and I think it's well-founded, and I think you do, we agree on this, is that what we're going to see in terms of a financial uh, collapse will be worse than 2008-9, the Great Recession. And some people even project it will be worse than the Great Depression um, is what we're going to have ahead. What, what's your... Um... Well, we already saw that in Europe. I mean, the, in, your, in Spain, for instance, the unemployment was far worse than the US during the Great Depression. So we're already seeing that in places, but potentially, um, and even Matthew Ertz, I think I yeah. pronounced his last name right. Fascinating, those are fascinating podcasts, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. Historical thank you. perspective on things. Yes, uh, he's coming on again in January. He says he'll be a regular like you, so. I look yeah. forward to that. I hope to chat with <laughs> him sometime. And there's a couple of people I'd like to introduce him to as well, because I know we'd have some amazing conversations, but he actually was talking about uh, Merv King, uh, Sir Mervyn King, who was the governor of the Bank of England. Um, I got to meet Mervyn King in 2015. Um, really? Business school. Actually, at the same time, I got to meet uh, Tiff Macklem, um, which was really interesting. So you know, who is he? Because I'm not as up to date. Canada currently. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, yes. It's a small world. Everybody knows everybody. And yes. King, Merv the Swerve, as they called him in the UK. <laughs> They always have these wonderful nicknames for people. Um, he, at that time, he said, the banks are not going to learn their lesson. So we're talking 2015. And mm -hmm. he said, and the next economic crisis will be exponentially worse. And he mm -hmm. said that many, many times in many, many, you can just Google him and his talks that he did around that time. Just, he, had he had just published a book called The End of Alchemy. Which is oh, like, end of alchemy. The end of alchemy. Um, okay, interesting. I'll right, check it out. Yeah. yeah, it's a fascinating book. I can lend you my dog-eared underlined copy. Sure. <laughs> I shredded it and went through it. <laughs> we should have a book club because I have I I don't know how many books I've purchased recently on every topic. <laughs> I got to be interesting for my podcast, and believe me, some of the things I'm reading are like wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's always too much reading. I know you've got too many books on your plate already. So I'll spare you, I'll spare you this one. I'll give you the Coles notes. Um, but Matt also mentioned that he, um, when he mentioned Merv King, it was in connection to his his warnings. And he mm -hmm. said, the effect. It's, like I said, it's going to be chaos, you know. Um, again, you don't have to believe me or Matt. But this is a governor of ex-governor of the Bank of England going around. So yeah. There are lots of other people saying. Yes, yeah, I think most people uh, in this audience are fairly educated and would like right away believe you. Um, their biggest pulsing question right now is how can I survive this economic uh, like Armageddon? Um, you know, how can we get through it to the other side? Um, and, you know, without, you know, total... Uh, chaos <clears throat> and poverty. All, I, I go back to where I started last time, which is we don't need to go there. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on whether they want this to happen. You hear this term controlled demolition. Mm -hmm. And 
the more I see, the more it looks like a controlled demolition. Because in yeah. order to get us to accept central bank digital currency, digital ID, all of those things, most people intuitively know they don't want that. I'm kind of rehashing some of the things we talked about last time, so I don't want to go into this with too, too you know too far. Um, it may take a crisis, and and I think yeah. they're going to do this in a measured way. You know, if they're not getting enough uptake, um, they'll just turn the screws a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a question, though, to what extent they do control it. If mm -hmm. that market does start to really implode, is it beyond their control? I, I don't think anybody can answer that question. So right. there's two scenarios here. One is that collapse scenario. The other one is what we have, which is they just keep putting the interest rates up and they leave them there for an extended period of time, which basically drains money from the real economy, the mm -hmm. super wealthy, the extra nationals, the ones that have their money, they have private equity. They have all the money in the world already. It means mm -hmm. nothing to them. It is an as a period of asset transfer, which is exactly what the Great Depression was, you know, mm -hmm. taking farmland from farmers and, and businesses from people that couldn't sustain them and homes from people that couldn't sustain them. And moving those assets onto the books of people that had money to invest. You know, mm -hmm. and then that's what we're happening right now. So maybe maybe that will just continue to play out a slow, painful grind of asset transfer from people that can no longer support their debt loads. You know, maybe it'll play out that way. That's probably the best scenario because it buys us time to spread the word and actually understand what's going on and do something about it. Uh, and there are many there are, as I keep saying, there are many positive things happening, just not enough people know about them. Like what? Like right just people don't know. Well, the push, the pushback, the growing pushback. And I think I mentioned to you recently in connection to that, let's not give up money in that 10 list. Um, in Austria, there's the People's Party of Austria. And they recently got 500,000 people. Now, Austria is a population of, it's actually gone down. Interesting. Population of Austria has dropped by 60,000 people since uh, 2020. But um, a population of 9 million people, they got 500,000 signatures to demand that the use, their right to use cash be written into the Austrian constitution. Excellent. It's power like that. And, and working with a number of groups, you know all these groups, you know how many thousands of people out there are out there. They all came together spontaneously. Mm -hmm out much order and they're all doing amazing things and they are now starting to talk to one another and organize and, and we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of people um, and, and we just need to be a little bit more organized at this point and I think we have to delineate what are the top items on our list all of those people are doing something important but I think right. a, we should have a central focus all of us and I think number one that should be resistance to the digital id that right. is the end absolutely that, that if they have that we're in a digital prison where they can control every purchase they can penalize mm -hmm. you for a post or yeah. for non-compliance they can say you can't eat meat you have to eat this bug soup or whatever they're they're pushing on us for the the climate agenda fraud and the agenda 2030 so yeah it's uh it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's it's like the um the global health passport it's a hill to die on because they can't they can't we cannot let those things go through it'll be a total control system in yes. place 
yeah, a year from now, we won't be able to leave the country if that happens, you know? Yeah, communist Canada. I'm totally fine with that. They'll download their stupid app on their stupid phone and they'll just go along and not even think about it, not realizing the implications of that beyond just simple their convenience and traveling. And people who think they can wait this out and they just hide, it's... It's not like it's uh, happening in a little part of the world and you can just ignore it. It's happening in, in our country. And if we don't get a critical mass opposing it, everyone is forked. <laughs> I was going to say the, the word, but that's why yeah. everyone has to take action. We're mostly fighting bureaucrats who don't know. That's really the largest part. So educating people and mm-hmm. it takes persistence to open them up. I finally had one of my best friends, and this is just like anecdotal, mm-hmm. a, a really close friend call me. And I'd been years of trying to tell her about the harm of uh, the big pharma and the shots. And she actually uh, confessed to me recently that, you know, she agrees with me now. And that is a huge thing mm-hmm. um, that finally she's like opening up to the truth. Mm-hmm. She's grateful to me. Like for now, she first she thought I was crazy. Now she's like, wow, I listened to every one of your podcasts. They're amazing. So <laughs> I feel like even if we get a few people, each of us, that is enough, right? That's And that's why I'm so optimistic, even though it's hard to point to anything directly. There are things, um, but I'm seeing that. You're saying we're seeing that every day, more and more people moving into this camp. Um, and being at that event with Maxime Bernier, November 20th, it was, um, where you spoke, uh, that was a, I mean, that was a fantastic opportunity to get to speak to him too, but such an encouraging, such an encouraging evening, the information that he brought from Quebec with the, with the polls they had done there that said 69% of the people now in Quebec would not back further mandates. Yes, that's important. And a lot of that, I think he's responsible for a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, Because they started off worse, um, the Quebecers sort of following the European um, style, and they had some of the worst lockdowns, or maybe the worst in Canada, other than Ontario or BC. So Mm -hmm. I think he's done tremendous good. And I'm really, I was really um, pleased when you said of all um, leaders of any national party, he's the one who got it the most about the problems with the economic and financial system. It was incredible. I mean, I, I, I literally, I sent an email out yesterday, I said, and, and speaking to this, uh, and I said, I almost fell over. <laughs> you know, yeah. I remember standing there and I saw you were like, smile. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my God, God. I can't I, believe that. Somebody actually, yeah. and he offered that up. I didn't put words in his mouth. I didn't lead him. He's smart. Um, I think the way the conversation, and you heard much of that, something to the effect, I think the big problem is the commercial banks, because most of our debt is the result of commercial banks. Private uh, banks. He mm-hmm. said, he just like chimed in and said, yes, because the banks create all of our money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've been trying to hammer that through to people. It's not the public uh it's not I mean, the bank of canada yeah, yeah. Uh, i know i'm know. glad i was glad because you know he's been really the only one who 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 really calls everything out boldly he's so we've only- been able to share a little bit and i hope to continue that conversation because oh, it, 
it, it um, yeah, more people have to understand this. Um, I also, in the email that I sent out yesterday, which you would be on that mailing list, I don't know if you had, to, I always send these emails that are way too long, but there's always <laughs> so much to share. It's okay, uh, you're doing your part. So I haven't I, had a chance know, to read it yet, but I will. <laughs> okay, well, you'll enjoy the latest, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so I was saying, that I had been sending that 10 list, that list of 10 points to various and sundry people, including Mr. Polyev, and that we had a window of opportunity. Uh, once the leader of the Conservative Party was picked, we'd no longer have contact. And exactly what I predicted happened. Suddenly emails not being returned, like radio silence. But yes. then they started up again. Mm -hmm. And that's totally understandable. Obviously, now you're the leader, you got a bazillion things to do. You're right. busy. I can understand that. His people are busy. Um, but I had sent information to him about the Bank of Canada for the first time losing money. And all the central banks around the world in this new environment are losing money now. And they're going to come after us, after us for taxes to, to cover these shortfalls. Do we have to pay? Are we obligated to pay? That's a, well, that's another question. Can you just say, I'm not paying for your mistakes of extracting money from all of us? Is there a point where people can say, I've had it? Like, this is, this is, this is. Yeah, you get into the whole free man on the land area, which is, I can't even go down that rabbit hole. It is so interesting. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll come to that. So, you know what, we're done. We're not playing your stupid game. <laughs> I'm just thinking well, not responsible. You know? There's something funny that I, I mean, in this the last few years with, you know, you can you can go down so many rabbit holes, you don't know where they're leading. And like, it's just like fairy tale land sometimes and you don't know what's real or what's false. And it's hard to know. But one of the ones people always hung their hats on Well, there's there's all the one thing you can count on life is tax, death and taxes. And then all of a sudden it's like, can you get really taxes uh maybe we don't have to count on taxes and then there's all of this new information on um you know this it, it, eternal life that you never really die <laughs> and you could just transport yeah. into all these other worlds so who yeah. knows maybe nothing's real you know it's all exactly protest well, taxes I've, I mean, I've joked about that for a long time you know and um I, I wrote a book in 2013 that was published in Isle of Man and, and did quite well. And I'd love to see oh. if we can get that republished. But What's one of the called? chapters, oh, it's called Time Enough, an amoral oh, cool. tale. Um, okay. And I don't think it's even available anymore. They sold them on the ferries back and forth <laughs> to the to the to the to the islands in, in Scotland and out to Isle of Man and in water stones around the country. Oh. And, so it was a thing. Like I went over and did a little wow. bit more. It was awesome. <laughs> um, I didn't intend to be a writer. Uh, my dad was doing dialysis, and I for two years I was sitting there, like you know, with hours and hours on my hands. So I just started collecting some of his stories and my stories all around the Isle of Man. But mostly it was about financial stuff. So it's actually like more relevant now, now than it was then so it would be to sort of revisit that but one of the chapters was death and taxes and oh. the whole offshore world the offshoring of money which started in the 80s was the beginning of that for a lot of people two things you can't escape in life death and taxes well if you go offshore you can escape taxes you know and that was yeah. sort of the, the basis yeah. of the whole chapter you know so oh, and then we get into the uh Nouveau Har no what's his name Yuval Noah, Noah Harari, Noah Harari uh, yeah whole transhuman live forever thing and that just 
Uh, that's just that just freaks me out that stuff yeah that's true that's another uh another angle uh, on this uh eternal life which is very dystopic and scary and mm. i think it's being used for what they really want is to have hybrid humans that are totally uh mind controlled um so that's something it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around that being real they're but saying, they, you don't have to guess at what they're trying to do they yeah, tell they, you in uncertain terms that is their goal you yeah, have no free will. You know? Even on the Moderna site uh, website, mm -hmm. they call the shots an operating system. So they're not hiding it's, anything. Yeah, so. it's bonkers. Anyway, we're kind of drifting. I, I should yeah, so let's get back. Um, yeah, so back, back to, to the... Yeah, go ahead. For a minute and just finish, just finish that. And then um, he made a statement in Parliament, and he's been going around doing this talk um, in response to the fall economic uh, statement and a lot of the points that were in the stuff that I sent oh, he's good. starting to talk about really nuanced economic stuff now he's yes. not just talking like you know lowest common denominator understanding of economics he's really digging into some interesting stuff now good so, oh well good to hear <laughs> yeah so so then let's talk about um what is um I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about some of the positive things like in Alberta with what they're doing there with uh, the central bank as one of your items um, or anything on the list as an example. And then I did also want to talk about how we got off the gold standard a bit, you know, once, uh, you know, that we we'll talk about just to educate people a bit further, because a lot of people don't know what was Bretton Woods and then why was it removed? Why did we go off the gold standard in 1972 with Nixon? Um, and, and what could be a positive benefit of going back to a gold-backed currency? Now they're looking at a gold-backed digital currency. So I just want to make sure we get to cover that. But what are your thoughts on um, this centralized bank in Alberta? Because you, you say that is a real positive if that could be done in each province having sort of a provincial bank well i wouldn't call it's not a it's not a central bank it's not sent it's a publicly owned public bank, bank sorry yeah okay but uh and and there are examples elsewhere in the world i mean immediately south of there in north dakota they have a public the bank of north dakota public bank um in um oklahoma half of the banks in oklahoma are public banks and they're owned by the indigenous, the Cherokee, the indigenous people down really? there. We also have in Canada, the First Nations Bank of Canada, um, which is a fascinating, uh, it's, it's across the country. It's in, I don't think every province. Um, and they opened recently on Walpole Island down near Windsor. A brand, they took over a TD bank, which didn't want to be bothered to be there to service the local population. So the First Nations Bank, of Canada really? there. that's super exciting it's all below the radar you would never you're never going to hear this in a million years in the media mm -hmm. hey there are positive things happening every day we just they're never told now things. this is a question a lot of people might be thinking I know I am it's like we have we have probably peak mistrust in public sector um if it's not for the the, the corrupt the uh, un believable corruption and incompetence. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we don't, people probably don't understand what's the benefit of a public bank. Can you trust a public bank? Um, because you can't really seem to trust a lot of these other public officials and institutions out there. 
you know, like Health Canada. So mm -hmm. can you just explain what the benefit of the public bank and, and is the model debt free as well? Um, well, the for a central bank, if a central bank is public and owns, we're getting into some more complicated stuff here. Let me just back up a little bit. Can we trust public banks? Well, first of all, we clearly can't trust the private banks. I mean, right. how much exactly? Yeah, they've gotten into, are getting into, are potentially getting us into. Um, we, you know, a year from now, there may be no. You wouldn't maybe even be asking that question because we'll be done with private commercial banks. Exactly. It's, yeah. So, well, whoever they are, we have to be watching them. And I, I did make that point before. We, you know, we cannot just leave politicians or, or bankers to their own devices. They're going to like, just guaranteed. If we're not paying attention, they're going to take advantage of that. So whatever it is, we get. We have to be. We have to be watching. Now, the the Bank of North Dakota and the Alberta Treasury branch are both operating public banks in an environment where you have a, another, they're using the currency of the nation from a private central bank in the US, um, which is supposedly a government agency uh, and, and a bank that's operating under the control of the BIA. So we have a public central bank in Canada, the Bank of Canada, but everybody there is from the Bank for International Settlement, the IMF, they're all steeped in neoliberal economics. They're doing exactly the same thing that the Federal Reserve, even though they're a public bank, they're doing all the same things. But within the province, you have a certain amount of protection and latitude to do your own thing. So even your, though your currency may be questionable, um, you can at least keep the profits from that banking operation in the province. And that's what's happening in with the in the case of the Alberta Treasury branch and in North Dakota and elsewhere that have public banks. Interesting, and they probably aren't investing in like uh, speculative things like derivatives as uh, nearly as much as the private banks as well. So there's, um, to my knowledge, they're not, and I okay. think that would be that would be that would be good to know. They're a crown corporation, so right. you know, like, is the LCBO, you know. Does it have some investment dealings and, it, you know, do they have a slush fund where they speculate? And <laughs> I don't know. I'm asking you. <laughs> Anything's possible these days, David. <laughs> they better not be. Okay, that's my homework. I'm going to find out whether they are please speculating please. and derivatives yeah. like all the other big banks. So, yeah. so um, I know um, you had um, a little bit of a, a, you know, interest in discussing BRICS. So, um, you know, what's the future? We don't know, but, um, you know, more, you know, so let's go back. Maybe you, you explain it so much better with me. I'm learning on the fly here. So the last few years. So I understand that, you know, we had the creation of Bretton Woods to preserve capital, like price exchange, so it wouldn't vary widely back by gold in 1944. So can you explain a little bit more uh, what the benefit of Bretton Woods is, how, why we got off it um, in, from your perspective, how that harmed people, and if this BRICS is, is really moving, trying to move us back to that. And I know they say um, this, you know, um, Nisera, which we are, we're going to debate whether it's even real, but they're going to move us back to a uh, precious metal backed currency in the future. 
to avoid this uh, zero fractional reserve so that uh, banks can't just keep speculating with our money. So I'm leaving it for you to cover that topic. People are very interested in this. Brent Woods linked all of the currencies together at fixed exchange rate backed by gold. And primarily that was useful in international trade. And this was the beginning, uh, that was when globalism started immediately mm-hmm. following the Second World War. So having reliable trading systems and reliable um, um, ways to, to exchange goods um, was, was important. And it, and it did create stability for a long time. And as, and as you know, um, it was the OPEC oil crisis that eventually precipitated Nixon to finally delink the US dollar completely. Um, I mean, the, the dollar had been fixed at $35 an ounce since the Second World War. Um, and then when people started demanding their gold back and, and money had to be inflated in order to pay for the extra cost of fuel, which tripled, quadrupled in price, they broke free of, of gold. And, and that's why governments, governments are not interested in a gold standard. It's too restricting. As soon as there's a war, they have to go off the gold standard so they can print money to pay for the war. Or in this case, it was economic warfare. Um, so I'm not convinced the BRICS are going to be able to pull this off. You know, we're talking about, yeah. I, you know, this is just me. I, I, and first of all, it's, it is, it is when they talk about gold backed currency, they're all moving hell bent for leather or digital central bank digital currency within their own countries for their own people. So they're not talking about a gold-backed currency for the Chinese people or the Russian everyday people. They want them on central bank digital currency where it'll be programmable, can be monitored, can be controlled. When they're talking about a gold-backed currency, they're talking about the, was it the, the Shanghai, uh, Singapore, uh, infrastructure bank, I forget the t- name of it. They have a central bank based in, in Singapore right now. They're talking about backing their international trade deals with a gold-backed currency, which, which allows them to trust one another. Because in the right. third world, and a lot of these countries have are you know considered third world countries, um, trust is a big issue. <laughs> you know? yes. But if the money's gold-backed and all run through a central bank in Singapore, they can trust each other in these international dealings. This has got nothing to do with the, you and me, the man on the street. Oh, really? Okay. No country. And that's the, that's the point that a lot of people are sort of missing. And then you look at the civil rights records, the economic records, the history of all of these countries, Brazil, China, Russia, South Africa, you know, do, India. <laughs> these are, are these societies that we want to emulate. And money is a mode of control. Money is a mode of governance. So if we adopt the currency that's working for them, you know, we're going to end up living like the Chinese do under the boot of their, <laughs> their social credit scores. Social yeah, exactly. credit, yeah, environmental exactly. social governance is what they call so, it in North America. You know, there How are good a virtue signal are you? think gold is going to be the answer, gold back currency is going to be the answer, and don't read history and don't do their homework. And it's gold back, so it's got to be good. Well, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but right. I'm not convinced. <laughs> and, and, and as Matthew actually mentioned, 
it wasn't a podcast with you. I forget who he was talking with. Okay. I did go to listen to some of his other conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was saying that um, the, um, oh, I completely lost my train of thought there. I'm so sorry. Um, That's okay. Well, it'll come back, I know. But yeah, yeah. it'll come back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I heard recently that sort of on an, on very quietly, other countries are signing up like Hungary and Turkey um Poland and potentially even Germany into this whole system of BRICS so it, it is definitely growing um and will it lead to any sort of uh, improvements globally um who knows I guess the future we'll see but it, it seems like utter chaos in the future utter chaos and destruction for how many years um you know one to two to five years of of complete and utter destruction i was even at a um, jordan peterson talk was it last night like uh or the night before i can't remember it's just it so much going on. i didn't know you were there yeah oh were you there as well yeah. yes. oh that's too bad we could have all carpooled yeah or gone together yeah it was interesting yeah. But he literally, like you, I mean, he, you know, you're kind of on the finance side. He's on the um, academic side. And I was very, it was very interesting that he forecast an utter destruction of higher education universities. He said they are literally digging their hole. Who wants to pay $150,000 for a woke education that mm -hmm. like is deferring unemployment, particularly in the humanities? And well, Black, I think, said that it was a unemployment deferral scheme yeah i like that i know and, and it was like geez but he said they've gone so woke and he doesn't see that they're going to wake up in time and people people will just leave in droves so i mean we're going to see utter collapses in not just finance but you know academia and you know higher education so it's going to be fascinating societies this is why this parallel society, these communities that we've been building outside of that madhouse are gonna be so important because we, we know we can depend on one another and we have networks for everything. And yeah, you know, I think we may need that network at some point. For a point. while, yeah. Do you think barter will, uh, while, while there's sort of peak chaos will become a thing again? Like it's like you know you can you can only predict shortages of basic things like coffee, which mm -hmm. is why I have coffee. I'm like okay, I'll trade you a little bit of coffee, <laughs> but I can't do without coffee. So I've got lots of coffee. But do you see barter coming back? I mean, what do you see for next year and the year after? Barter is back, but yeah. um, um, but that's going to be for things we already have in our possession or produce ourselves. You know, if the the entire system comes down, like where are we going to get oil? You know, we have to get we have to get our infrastructure up and running here and be self sufficient in those things. And we're not our little communities. You know, will get by because we have firewood and and a lot of the people in these in the country have not forgotten how their ancestors lived and can go back to that. You know, we have friends who have horses and, you know, farm plow with horses and, and you know, are so self-reliant. Um, and that's a lot of work. I mean, none of us wants to live like our grandparents lived, but it's comforting to know that we could, you know, if, right. it, came to, if it came to that. But that's not an answer for 
Long you know, time. the billions of people that don't have access to that world are deep in the city. Um, and, and, and again, this is one of the things with, with gold. And I, I have this conversation all the time. You know, great. Yeah, gold is good. Buy some gold, buy some silver. And I encourage that. It is a good thing. But what we need is a fiat currency. You know, fiat currency is always is so derided. But we need a monetary system that works for everyday people. Because most people don't have gold and silver, don't have an, a supply network, don't have all of those things. What's going to happen if the system goes down? You know, we can say, well, we're okay. We've got our food. Um, are we going to sit here on a pile of gold with our, with our shotgun? You know, because there's going to be a lot of hungry people, a lot of desperate people that are going to come here, you know? So buy lots of shotgun shells as well. You know, well, we you can't do that now with the Trudeau government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you you know, we have to do take care of ourselves, but we also need to have a system that is going to function for all those people in the big city and, and elsewhere. You know, we can't just take care of ourselves because that's not going to be possible at a, at a point. So that's why we have to figure out the monetary system. We have to understand the nuances of fiat currency and how there are, there's good and bad to everything. Um, we have to become Renaissance men and women again. You know, we have to expand. Everything's become so specialized and we have to expand our knowledge of how the world works, I think. And, and that goes back to the education system, which, you know, Jordan Peterson is saying is on the verge of collapse. So that's not very encouraging, but there are, there are alternate schools starting. One of the groups that we work with, in fact, has schools now in, I think, Milton, Etobicoke, Hamilton, Branson. They have people that are stepping out of the regular school system. And want the indoctrination to camp that it is. Yeah. yeah. So again, this is something that we don't hear about. You and I hear a lot of these positive things, which kind of gives us hope and keeps us going every day. Yeah. And I think even like, you know, I'm, I'm more um, like, even if you can't step out of the system and there are negatives to these parallel communities. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, because you're kind of a sitting duck, you move with a group and you're all like, there they are, you know, <laughs> those are the rebels, <laughs> you know, so blending in with the masses, but we do need to wake up people too. And so, you know, as you say, you have to help your neighbor, you have to educate people, what, you know, give a man a fish and he can eat for a day, but teach him to fish and he can be self-sufficient. We have to help people learn skills to be more independent, to be more sovereign. And that starts with even educating our kids, educate them about money, tell them, get involved, ask what they're learning at school, push back, say you don't agree, say, do you think that's really true? So get them thinking, right? So even then they're learning the negatives of the system, they see it and they can start to challenge it. So you can challenge it from within and from without. And even when I uh, interviewed Dr. Khan the other day on the podcast, he was in an agreement. Like we can integrate some pieces of certain, of, a lot of systems are okay. Like you break your leg, you want the allopathic system. But for a lot of chronic diseases, it's absolutely broken and needs to be discarded. We need the holistic system for people um, monetarily as well. Like, you know, it's like blending what you say, some new ideas with some old, like the best of the old. And that's why, you know, this is, this is what you're saying with the fiat currency. That's what we need to do 
to get it so every person can um, prosper. Right now, we have record numbers of people going to food bank. Um, and that's just this year. Wait till next year. You know, already homelessness is way up. Um, suicide, drug addiction, all sorts of domestic violence. When you are financially stressed, your life gets stressed, um, bad, you know, bad behavior uh, happens and addiction. So, you know, we need we need to educate people about addiction. We have to get them off the streets, help clean people up, help teach people about gardening and home-based, um, you know, just microgreens, just um, even simple cheap things that are rich in nutrients. Like there's so many things we can do you don't have to starve. You know, you, we don't even actually need that many calories a day. That's been another lie. This whole three square meals, most of it's carbohydrates. We don't need all that food. Um, so there's massive, I think we're in a, an era where if we massively educate and people at least have an open mind, hopefully we can escape without absolute total destruction and chaos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um yeah, where do I go with that? There, you know, there, there is hope. There, there is hope. There are things happening. Um, uh, more and more people coming over to our side. I had a friend, I won't mention names, wrote to me the other day who had bought a Tesla and was complaining now <laughs> the cost of charging it and actually not being able to charge it because the electricity. Can, you know, it's like everything is just like wonky at the moment. Yeah. And no matter what, you know, you can't be a normie anymore because the world now is just too abnormal to be a normie. Like, yeah, it's the, yeah, the normies are finding they're out num that like you know, the brain dead, um, like no, everything's fine. So I know yeah, everybody could see not everything's fine anymore, you know, and and um and it had to get to that point, I, I think. We've just been so lucky, so comfortable here in Canada, you know, and, and that's been a blessing and it's been a curse at the same time. So, um, but that's, that's, that's changing. And going around canvassing recently, I got involved. Um, Thank in you for that. By yeah. election in Mississauga, uh, because I so enjoy, um, Khaled is such a, Khaled is such a great guy. Um, PPC. The PPC guy. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, it's just because I happen to, I happen to be introduced to him and I thought, you know, it's like, I like, I like this guy and he needs help. And, and um, I just like going knocking on doors and you go through all neighborhoods and you talk to people and, you know, complete strangers and they tell you, it's like being a therapist. They share things you would think people would be upset at being distracted. And I always apologize, say somebody to drag you to the door, you know, they go, oh, no, 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 no. And most of them want to talk about stuff and the stuff they tell you is stuff they pro probably don't even tell their family members sometimes. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't matter, the wealthiest neighborhoods, mm -hmm. people are concerned about stuff. You know, there yes. are very few people that are in their little comfortable bubbles now those bubbles are bursting everywhere and that's mm -hmm. what has to happen sadly because until that happens nobody thinks about anything until no. we start thinking about things we can fix any problem like we're so resilient as yes so we're I, not on this planet all these years later by accident right you know, we can figure out any problem if we put our mind to it and we yes. have to do it collectively and that's happening yes. the critical and I, mass 
Yes. And I wanted to mention, because you brought up a point that I have been saying for a long time, because we can't just live in our own little worlds when, you you know, little like I'm I'm just going to not talk to anyone who has a different point of view. This We can see how destructive that is, whether it's politically or this divisiveness around the COVID policies, pitting people against each other. You need open dialogue. And one of the most powerful things of all, and I follow the John Birch Society, Constitutional Society in the States. They've been at this fighting the deep state for like 60 years. They have some of the best materials. But they said the most powerful thing you can do is go door to door. Nothing is more is more powerful than that. And when you think of it, you could spend all this money trying to do an event. And I say this, you know, because as you're pushing against uh, things with smaller parties or being an independent, it, you could be advertising forever and get 10 people show up. But if you go door to door in one day, you could talk to 20 people and have like a really powerful five to 10 minute conversation, which I've done. And I do, I've tried to do it weekly. We used to call it Wake Up Wednesdays. And we go around and interact with people in the community. And mm-hmm. sometimes they agreed, sometimes they didn't, but you really always planted a seed. It was very powerful. And I encourage everyone to do that. Just step into that and talk to your neighbors. Don't hide away, express what you think, ask questions and plant seeds. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I'm trying to do with my artist group and it spins out of the Woodville group and the scrutineering that we did during the provincial election. Um, and then I've continued on with that and encouraging people to go out there and be at the polls for the vote counts. And, and so I did this again um, for my election. And because it was federal, we actually got to count the ballots this time, which was mm-hmm. amazing. That's what we have to do. We have to, we have to have scrutineers at every polling station, multiple. We have to be hovering around those vote counters. Yes. And, and yes. it has to be there. They lock the doors. They count those votes. We know those numbers before there's any opportunity for that bag of ballots to disappear. I don't know what yes. came out of those stupid voting machines. I didn't sign the tape because I, I don't know. Yes. What I don't well, know. What that bag. I'm not signing off on this, you know. Yes. So, and, and a lot of people don't know. This is a point that um, federally for federal elections, that's why they're uh, they're more honest is you do count every vote. So you don't use those uh, very corrupt, suspicious Dominion voting machines that has all that controversy in the in the states. But for provincial and municipal, they're using the Dominion machines. So those elections are highly compromised right now. But federally, that's a chance we have. And it's looking like there might be a federal election. Uh, there's whispers and getting louder and louder for the spring. So um, that will be very exciting. I mean, I'm already starting again in January to do, um, you know, have have a meet and greet regularly, listen to different opinions and, you know, welcome people to come and have a different opinion than me. And we could have a debate. I'm here to learn, too. Yeah, it's um, it's great. I mean, we need to get to back to the I think you said last time back to the town hall kind of scenario. Yes. A discourse, you know, we just need to talk to each other, turn off the TV. Forget about the mainstream media. Uh, you know, its days are numbered. <laughs> yeah, like everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, we're rebuilding. This is a period of nation building again, you know? Yes. Socially as well as economically. And we do that by starting to work on all of these. You know, it's Christmas now. There's been a period of normalcy where everyone wanted to be just get back to their lives for a period of time. Um, but I think. 
once New Year is over, we need to roll up our sleeves, all of us. I mean, you and I are, or many of our friends are, but yes. we need to be marshalling the troops and just yeah. get to get engaged at rebuilding our world because the people that have been running things to this point have proven themselves either criminally negligent mm -hmm. or totally incompetent or both one yeah. you know or yeah. both yeah <laughs> uh, so this is our world you know and we need to keep our representatives hold them to account or we need to be our own representatives so i so appreciate what what you have done and will do again and what Khalid did in Mississauga, we need people to step up and do that. And it's a massive sacrifice, um, and which is why I've been involved because I, I just don't have the, I don't know, I don't know if that's my thing, but I will help to whatever extent I can because those people all need a team. And, and uh, Thank you, David. I, I truly appreciate it. It has been like a full-time job the last two years, just fighting this agenda, but I felt called to do it. And I was in a better circumstance than some people, but um, yeah, it has, it has been extremely demanding. And um, so I, I, I do uh, plan to run until I'm successful, whether that takes two or three tries um, to get people at that level of awakeness, but um, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy the, the whole uh, challenge and the fight and everything else, but beyond that, it's critical that we do it. So it has to be done. Mm -hmm. So we have to step up. We have to. If we don't, we will. It will collapse. Absolutely. It will be a long, prolonged hell. And the more people that step up, the faster we can clean up the mess. That's just as simple as that, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. And in the meantime, we're by great people. And um, yes, yes. Well, great we're, new friends. We're living our lives and, 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 you know, making the most of things. So, well, that's great. Well, thank you so much. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah, we always leave so much. The Nisera, Jacera thing, you know what? We can leave that until some Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, okay, so we'll have to promise to do a debate because I think yeah, it's yeah, a real and you think it's complete false. Uh, so that's kind of leave that as a, as tantalating for uh, people to uh, to decide. Um, and again, I'm not the financial expert that you are. So um, well, I'm not an expert in that stuff, but everybody's talking about it. And I thought, well, I got to do what I normally do and do my research. And the more I read, the deeper I go, the more questions I have. And we can leave all of that. Until yeah, well, exactly. Who knows? To be determined in the future, but mm. looking very unlikely, uh, according to David Ward. And according to Tish Talk, Tish, it uh, hopefully um, might be something to help people in the future. Otherwise, I think it's going to be really, really messy. So there are, there are other things. If that doesn't work out, there's lots of, we're creative, you know, there are exactly. There's always something else. So yeah, go back to exchanging pebbles on the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully not that, but uh, yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, have a lovely day. Thanks again. Bye Thanks. now. Take care.